they? Elliott, off to the races. Can they catch him? No, they can't. Touchdown. Samuel cuts it back. Ohio State wins. Haskins spreading out, sets up deep. Over the middle. Touchdown, Buckeyes. Fields has time. Watches downfield. It's Olave. He's got a touchdown. Ohio State. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the QB Draw. Since the last time we talked to you, Ohio State has made the playoffs. Um, they've really backed into this one. Uh, but they still have a chance to go win it all. I'm joined today uh, by John, as always, as well as a multi-time returning guest, one of our good friends, uh, Colton Denning. How are y'all doing? I'm doing good. Thank you guys for having me on the pod once again. Uh, I, I wish the circumstances were a little bit better uh, than the last time we talked, but uh, I think this is going to be fun. And we talked like pre-recording that Ohio State's in a very uh, weird place right now for being a team that's in the playoff and like the subject matter that we're probably going to get into on today's show. So I'm interested to kind of hear where you guys are at. And then, you know, the postmortem of posting this here where all the listeners are at, because it's just it's a very weird place that Ohio State's in right now. Yeah, I think I think you hit the nail on the head there, Colton. It's it's a very strange time to be uh, an Ohio State fan, and it's a strange time to be, uh, you know, a supporter of of in college football in general, right? Like uh, all the talk of playoff expansion, and you know, the last time you're you're watching your, your favorite team play, and they're getting blown off the field by your your biggest rival, and then. Here you are, poof, a couple of games, a couple of weeks later, and you're, you're playing for the playoff all of a sudden. Um, you know, you've, you've still got uh, two tremendous uh, opponents to likely overcome should you, uh, should you win the first. Like, you know, beating Georgia seems impossible <laughs> at times. Um, you know, so that'll be interesting to see how they handle that. But, like, if you do that again, you're, you're probably likely – facing the devil uh in in michigan um and that would be another very interesting thing to see just how they you know there's a lot of chances for ryan day to uh more or less right the ship um in the short term at least from a football perspective but i think what ez is going to get into uh is maybe some larger looming concerns with the program in general that extend beyond just on the field stuff yeah uh so I'm going to make a slight audible in our structure. I was going to just rant through my entire list, but I've written down five things that I see as the most pressing concerns of the Ohio State program. And I think I'm going to go one by one. And after each one, just have Colton and John sort of share their thoughts. Um, some of them are related to Ryan Day and on the field performance. Some of them are structural uh, about the program at large. Um, I just think that these are five things that have led to both Ohio State's lackluster seasons the past two years, and I know they went 11-1 this year, but they lost the one game you're not allowed to lose in embarrassing fashion. So it, you know, I don't care what anyone says, it's a it's a failure of a season. Um, and yeah, so my number one on this list uh, is directly concerning Ryan Day, and that is rigidity in offensive play calling and scheme. Now Ryan Day was brought to Ohio State as a uh, sort of offensive whiz kid part of like the Lincoln Riley generation, um, not connected to Sean McVay at all, but sort of paralleled that where it's like, wow, look at this guy and all of his schemes and what he can call, blah, 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 blah. You guys know the archetype at this point. Um, and he's, he certainly, he certainly 
instantly improved the passing game. He took sort of a bunch of is un, Island of Misfit toys in 2017 with the JT Barrett offense and made it a lot better than it was in 2016. Um, 2018, he sort of, uh, he and Dwayne Haskins sort of changed what it meant for an Ohio State offense to be an Ohio State offense. And then in 2019, led one of the most balanced attacks in the history of college football. Um, however, especially recently, and I, I think these issues have been here sort of since he became head coach. But if you look at the track record of th- this offense with all these great pieces and players and supposedly schemers in big games, I don't have the full list in front of me. Uh, Zach, uh, buddy of the show, has done the list. But in, in a lot of these big games, they're scoring in the 20s. It, 20 point, you know, 27 against Michigan last year, 23 this year, uh, 24 in the, in the national championship against Bama, uh, 20-something in the 2019 Clemson game. Although that one, uh, Dobbins dropped a pass uh, that would have been a touch. There, I, I don't blame that game on him, but it is another example of the offense scoring in the 20s in big games. And really the only time this uh, vaunted offense has gone out and exploded on the big stage um, was that 2020 Clemson game where they just uh, said, fuck it and went balls to the wall. Um, and then also I will say the 2019 Michigan game, although that Michigan team certainly was not as good, uh, they still had a really nice offensive game in that one. And that certainly was a big game. Um, but I just view Ryan day sort of, I think he, he is very rigid in his play game plan. From what I can tell, he feels like he calls things because he thinks he's supposed to call them and not because it fits with the flow of the game. And also he sort of, uh, he, he tries to prove points too often. Um, I don't think he plays calls plays to his personnel as much as he should. Um, and I think the most sort of, cardinal sin of all i think the worst part is he doesn't go back to things that are working when they are working uh tom herman was the the best of this he'd keep calling the same play until you could stop it ohio state does not do that anymore um and i think out of all the things i've listed that is the number one problem with day's play calling i think he has a ton of responsibility as head coach i think the only logical thing this offseason would hit be for him to give that up and find a full-time play caller i have talked enough you two what do you think about that complaint uh, Colton, do you want to you take this one? No, lead it off here, and then I'll, I'll kind of yeah. see where I'm at, at at the third spot here. I think – I really think – I think you're spot on, right? I, I Like, I think he's playing Madden most of the time, right? And I think he is trying to run as many plays. So he's trying to beat the four verts allegations is essentially what it comes down to. Like, you know when you play, play your buddy and he's running four verts all the time, and so you try to beat him by running every play but four verts. Um, you know, it, it it's he's trying to seem like the whiz kid, right? He he wants to get that like keep getting told he's the smartest guy in the room. Um, you know, not going back to things that worked because uh, you know, what if they figure it out the next time? Well, like if they figure it out the next time, then it's not that big of a deal. You know, like I think they cowered away from running the ball in the in um the second half against Michigan that was working in the first half. I think they didn't use Dallin Hayden. I, I, I think personnel wise, I think he uses personnel like really questionably, right? Like, I mean, again, like I don't want to draw comparisons to like Ezekiel Elliott when he was at Ohio state, but that Michigan game felt a little bit like the Michigan state game where it was like Marv had his like 
two, like his monster touchdown catch. And then you didn't hear from him again. And it was, it, it almost felt like he was trying to prove a point where it was like, Hey, like, uh, and maybe some of this is on CJ where CJ is like, so uh, cerebral with the way he is where he's not going to put the ball into uh, a, a dangerous situation just to get Marv the ball or something like that. But like, yeah, I mean, I'd love to see a change. And I think with Kevin Wilson moving on, there is an offensive coaching spot that's opened up. And, and you know, I'm curious to see how he uses it. I think you guys hit it right on the head. And to me, it really comes down to it. It's so hard to just put everything onto one game. But the Michigan game kind of was a nice little nutshell for everything. And the two plays that I keep coming back to are the fourth down call to Cade Stover. Uh, what was that in the, in the second quarter, which was like admittedly on design in like the first five seconds of the six seconds it took was beautiful. Like I can totally get behind what that play was and how it looked, but in the, in the end, they couldn't execute the play and it was a play action pass to Cade Stover and he couldn't come up with it. And then the second play was that third down when it was 24 to 20 or 31 to 20 in the the fourth quarter and they ended up kicking a field goal, which again, I don't know if it was designed to be a throwback to Cade Stover. And again, I can kind of see like, okay, we're going to try to get him going right and then move back left. And hopefully Cade Stover comes open and he, he catches this nice floating pass from Stroud and it's a four point game. And like, we're back in this thing with eight minutes to go, but again, can't come up with the play nice play by the Michigan defender. And to me, it's like, it is unfair to go back to, well, when Ohio State needed something in the Ezekiel Elliott area, era, they just gave the ball to him. But it's it's true. Like, we don't talk about that Alabama game. It was like, oh, hey, remember when they threw the ball to Corey Smith with the game on the line and he made the play that won the game? Like, same with the national championship. We don't talk about that. And as much as, like, that Clemson game sucked, the loss, fourth, the first fourth down, they call a play action pass. It's cute, but who do they throw to? They throw from fields to Olave. And then even on the play that ended the game, like it may be, it may suck for everybody to hear and like to relive it, but like, Hey, at least they went out on their sword throwing to Olave and they just, and it, the, play like, the play yeah, works. The play works. How, how yeah. much worse would you feel if it was like, yeah, he threw to Jeremy Ruckert and Ruckert ran the wrong route. Like we'd be talking that that game would have so much more or like Benjamin tenor. Victor, you know? Yeah. It's yeah, like, like one of those guys <laughs> slipped up and ran the wrong route or whatever, but it's like, Oh, well, you know, the one time Chris Olave, Chris Olave they had, fucks yeah, up, you know, they had like, a mismatch, yeah. but like they went to Chris Olave with the game on the line. And if you go to your dogs, like, well, what, what are you going to really do? How are you going to be upset about that? I'm certainly not going to complain about that. And I, I think that there is very much a smartest guy in the room syndrome where even going back to running the ball, even if they weren't going to throw to Harrison, it's like John said, uh, Chip Trianum, like, for better or worse, like we probably thought he it was, was cooking. Ridi- yeah, like he was cooking. Give him the ball. He's he's running well. The he's offensive line tackle. was cooking for all we've complained yeah. about them. Like, yeah, they're playing physical. He's getting to the second level. Uh, if it's working, just do it. And it feels like they do get to this point where it's like, oh, well, this one thing is working, but it's in a high leverage situation. The and first- they expect us to go to that. So we're going to do something else. And it's like, dude, if they stop it when you're at your best, then – that just is what it is. And they out executed you, but it just feels like there's this extra layer of, I want to be one step ahead of these guys. And at places like Ohio state, like I know we all love the Jamie Chadwells and 
uh, the Wake Forest with the delayed option. Like there's a reason that most big schools and most talent, like schools with the most talent don't do that stuff because they have the most talented players and you don't need to do it. And it feels very Neanderthal to be like, Oh, line up best man, best man one-on-one win. But like, yeah, that's what football is. Like, honestly, at the end of the day, and it feels like they, they try to get so creative and you mix it with what John was saying with personnel, where you're, you're, you're throwing uh, screens to Mayan Williams in a five wide set. And it's like, what, what is that? What are you showing on tape? What are you yeah. trying to prove? No, it's, um, I'm going to steal from something Zach said again. Um, it's like, they they also don't like they don't it doesn't seem like he's tailoring the offense to his his best guys like in 2020 Alabama like spammed the hell out of RPOs because mm-hmm. Mac Jones even and as much as I like to make fun of Mac Jones it was such a quick process he was so good at running those plays yeah C- CJ Shroud his best trait is either his accuracy or his processing ability and they just don't really run downfield RPOs they do like RPO screen type stuff but they don't really run like they're they're not they're not running it with the volume that i think would open up a lot of the offense and the last thing the last sort of thought i have had on this which i forgot to say in my sort of a rant was that a lot of times it feels like the off the the degree of difficulty is way too high in this offense and the margin of error is way too low considering the players they have it's like I remember one fourth down specifically earlier in the year. I can't remember who it was against, but it was like a roll. You know, it was, it was the one to Cam Bab. It wasn't even the fourth down. It's like, it's a rollout and the ball had to be placed perfectly. And the, and the catch had to be, you know, there was only one place he could make the catch. It's like, run some fucking crossers, man. Like, yeah, you have, you have the, you have the horses here to make this offense so easy. Right. And they just refuse to do it. Right. Like I think, and maybe some of this does come down to not having JSN, who I'm sure we're going to talk about later in the, in the podcast, but like, I mean, maybe there's a level of comfortability that like he had with, with JSN that he doesn't necessarily have with Marv. And, and maybe that comes from, from having a whole season of him last year and stuff like that. But like, man, JSN made it look so damn easy sometimes. And I, I don't think like, you know, again, but like, I think he made, he was almost too talented to not. And like, maybe that's just Marv's style. It's like, man, I, I, again, like if we keep churning out these guys, the NFL, eventually there's going to be some questions asked about like, like, like I, I know I said, I, I sound like a hypocrite before I, I had said that Fields loved his two receivers. I do wish uh, CJ, you know, <laughs> in the most important moments fell in love with his receivers. Right. Like, Let's. We don't need to be giving Cade Stover the ball. And Cade Stover. Um, well, Cade Stover. He's he's a good role player. I mean, actually, yeah. not, Well, at least at least he was until after the Wisconsin game. But it, I'm not saying like take Cade Stover behind the woodshed. But I don't know why he's the featured receiver. You know, on the two big plays, like like the two like game swinging plays of the the big game, like. Oh yeah, we these are this is the time to get Cade Stover. It's like in an NBA game, right? Like uh, the 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 prime. Let's get Jordan uh, you know, Clarkson and ISO. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Need, need need to let Jordan Clarkson cook here. Um, no no disrespect to Jordan Clarkson, of course, but uh, yeah, the point stands. Let's get Richard Jefferson. What you, you know, like you know. Yeah, it, it just it Channing Fry. Yep, spot it, up three. It's here like if go. if they make some plays, like 
within the flow of the offense, great. They're going to do that. They're good players. But why are we trying to force the ball to a guy like Cade Stover or Xavier Johnson, who I thought deserved more touches going into the mission game, but not in a way where it's like the most telegraphed double double reverse pass I've ever seen. Uh, Before we get into the next point, Colton, any final thoughts on this? No, I think that you guys hit it right on the head. And I think that there's, it's not just one thing. It's not just because like usually I think most people will just be like, oh, bad play calling. And that's mm-hmm. it. And that's a part of it. But it's also personnel usage and going to your main players. like General philosophy. It, yeah, general philosophy. And wasn't it a fourth down on the first or second drive against Michigan where they had, it was like fourth and two or something. And they thought that Michigan jumped off, but they didn't throw the flag. And so CJ just threw it up to Harrison along the sideline. And he just made like a crazy catch. Yeah. And it's like, yeah. just do that. That you, that guy has shown you're over able and over. to. Yeah. In the corner against Michigan State in the end zone, that play was it against Rutgers where like his whole body was out of bounds and he stuck his right foot out and made that catch like he was Gumby. Like the dude has consistently showed it. Just throw the ball up to him. Like it, it really doesn't seem like it's that hard. Yeah. Um, and obviously we're oversimplifying this. Like this stuff is hard, but it's not as hard as they're making it on themselves, yeah, exactly. I think is our point. Um, I think for sure next year, they're going to have to go back to that if they want to succeed, right? Like you're going to have to, regardless of if it's McCord or Devin or, you know, but those guys are a lot dumber than CJ, which has its, which has its advantages at quarterback, but I don't think either of those guys is as smart as CJ Stroud. Um, You know, uh, my second sort of flaw, major flaw in the program, and this is totally shifting gears. um, This is Ohio state's, uh, stubbornness in playing the new nil game and this is going to get down in the weeds for some of of you our listeners if you're not a total freak like uh like myself uh then it you might have missed some of this but i you'll probably have a decent uh grasp of the basics so ohio state and this has been this is not me conjecturing like just assuming things this has been said like completely straight on by Jeremy Birmingham, AKA Berm, who's the most, probably the most respected Ohio state recruiting reporter uh, that they, that the program has Um, while programs like Georgia and Alabama and Miami and Auburn are offering players direct cash payments for their commitment under the guise of NIL, Ohio state is not doing that. They are presenting opportunities and potential earnings but this is not the same thing. Obviously, this is not the same thing as, hey, Damon Wilson, do you want $2 million, which is what George is doing. And Jeremy Birmingham has said the reason you have programs like Miami and Auburn trying to flip Ohio State recruits like Jermaine Matthews and Kay and Lee, whereas they are not trying to flip uh, recruits uh, who are committed to Georgia or Alabama is because they know Ohio state for whatever reason has staunchly committed to playing things quote unquote, the right way. The problem with this is one, you're going to get left behind and this recruiting class, we don't need to go into every individual case, but it is not as good as it could have been right now. And it is highly likely it will not end up as good as it could have been Um by signing day. And that's the case for the 2021 class, the 2022 class, and now the 2023 class, basically since this whole NIL thing has started, Ohio state has, and, and don't get me wrong. These are some very solid classes, but they could have been 
contending for top class in the country and they're not they're more four or five range which is which is a big difference i should say that is that is a very big difference um and it, it just it's a bad look um they if they refuse to change which jerem berm has not to just make this the berm podcast but he's the most reputable source you'll find on this has said that they they might change for the 2024 class depending on how this goes down um if the NCAA is not going to enforce the rules that say you can't just offer cash for commitment straight up, which is technically a rule, but it's not enforced at all. And I'm guessing will not be enforced in the near future. Again, I've talked enough. Let me toss it to you guys. Yeah, I think, uh, I think there's with Ohio state, there's obviously going to be sensitivities, particularly in the booster network and in the alumni group and everything because of how, the book got thrown at them over uh, over some autographs and over some tattoos. Um, and I think historically, right, like there's some calluses there that they have to dig through and, and people and, and also there's some uh, some some financial issues, if we can call that <laughs> uh, doing due to where uh, a lot of the Ohio State uh, bagman money came from for a while. Um, they, they were tied up in, uh, in some, some, some devious. Don't, 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 don't Google Les Wexner. Do not what... <laughs> Google Les Wexner is, is what I'm not telling you to do. Um, but yeah, so like, I mean, there like, like, like you said, like there's, there feels like a deliberate reason why these guys are being targeted. And, you know, I think it, it's Miami's way they've done thing for years, right? Like for 20 something, almost 40 years now. When they get good, they feel like they don't need to follow the rules. They get the book thrown at them. They go away. And then 20 years later, they, they pop up and they're ready to go again. Now, they've been rebuilding for 20 years. But um, I, th- I think Miami's more in the Texas A&M um, stratosphere than they are the Georgia and the Alabama. But I, I go back to the comments that, Ryan, uh, that Nick Saban made essentially a few years ago where he was like, hey, listen, this NIL stuff it's, it's not going to end up the way you think it is. And he said something like that. And then he went and got his, it was a call to his boosters. His boosters got in line and did it. And I think Ryan day needs to take control of this program and, and Nate needs to take control of this situation and, and realize his, his job's at stake. Um, now I, I do think there is a conversation to be had like about like, obviously what's going on at Texas A&M where it's like, you can't just build a program overnight with, uh, with NIL money, I think I think it, my key is targeted targeted shots. Like, yeah, don't do I, what I think it, that's like, the thing. Like, you you what you need to do is you need to be able to sniff out like what kid is actually going to come to Ohio State and play there for two, three, four years, like, or at least give you their effort. Because I think there were some names that we've been linked to in the past that that were never going to actually come through and 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 play for us. Um, but like on signing day, that doesn't matter. Right. You, you, you felt like, man, we, we got screwed there. Um, but I think, I think overall, I think there does need to be more clarity, I think from the NCAA about what good the rules are and good luck. Yeah. They don't want to touch it, but if they don't want to touch it, then don't touch it. And like, if they don't throw the book at somebody soon, then it's open season. And then if it's open season, then I'm fine with doing whatever, you know, but Ohio State's the one school that, or one of like three schools that they've ever thrown the book at. 
um, one of which hasn't fully recovered and, uh, you know, in SMU and like, um, you know, it's, you know, it, 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 I think that's, that's why there's the concern there, but that doesn't change the fact that things need to change. If like, you know, Brandon Ennis is getting hit up by guys or, um, if, if other people, uh, are, are, are getting a little sweaty around, uh, around, around national signing day. I know that yeah. might be a little sore subject for Colton because uh, Colts, Col- Colorado <laughs> Buffalo are uh, are making some phone calls as we speak, but uh, that's well, and that's a that's a perfect end. that's a perfect segue to a larger discussion about like this idea that you know reportedly Ryan Day and Mark Pantoni and everybody in charge of recruiting at Ohio State has of like we want to do things the right way. And my counter to that would be like the right way, like ethically, like, is it wrong to give somebody some money for services? Clearly not. Like, so are we just talking about the right way or the wrong way versus how things have always been done? And I think that's probably the the conversation here. And it goes back to like, because whenever there's anybody that argues against this, it's always, oh, hey, look at A&M, look at Miami. Like, just because you get those players doesn't mean you're going to be good, which a hundred percent that's true. But if Ohio state is building relationships with these kids and they're like, Hey, these are good kids. Like we, we think they fit our program. Uh, if they want some extra money, like, is that going to change your opinion on whether they're good kids or not? So like, nobody's telling you to go get, uh, some five-star. I have a perfect example. Like, uh, like, well, there's the Denver, was it Denver Harris for A&M? Yeah. Like his, his situation and I, I tweeted something about that when it happened and everybody was like, oh well, we don't we don't want Denver Harrison here like after everything he's done. And it's like, no, it's not it's not related specifically to him. It's related to just doing it in general. If you build these relationships with kids and you think they're good people and you know that their families are good people, then it's not even hopping in the mud, but hop in the goddamn mud. And like at the end of the day, at this point with how this all is. That's part of their job. And if they're not going to do their jobs, then Ohio State needs to get somebody who will at a high level. Because, like, whether they like it or not, that's a part of the game now. It isn't 1990. It isn't 1985 anymore. Like, you need to go get in the mud. And if Alabama and Georgia are doing it, then, hey, it just seems like a pretty smart thing to do. So, yeah, I think I think sort of in this cycle, the example of like not just throwing money at kids to throw money at kids like uh, an offensive tackle off five star offensive tackle, Samson uh, Okunlola. Apologies if I got that wrong. If you're listening, Samson, I doubt you are. But, you know, just in case um, he has very clearly, at least, you know, clearly in terms of like not publicly, but in terms of reading between the lines, made his recruitment about whoever whoever's going to give me the most money like not really worried about fit whatever and more power to him you know these guys have limited windows to to maximize their potential earnings if that's what he wants his recruitment to be about go do it kid i understand ohio state as a program who wants to win national titles with a strong culture um and and buy-in you know there's a reason his top two schools right now are michigan state and miami i get not going after a kid like that and throwing a bag just to throw a bag but Damon Wilson, who by all accounts is a cultural fit at Ohio State, um, who they might lose on to Georgia primarily because of NIL, who, you know, uh, 
people have said this recruitment would have been locked up to Ohio State months ago in the old world. Like, what's wrong with throwing money at that kid? Like, yeah, like, just like, match I, the offer, I, you know? Yeah, like, there, tell, there us, are, what, tell us what know, the offer is. We'll give it to you. Like, that's that's that. Like, this yeah, is not a I, this I is think, not a do or like there. You can still make a decision on this isn't like complete. It doesn't have to be completely black and white. You don't have to just yeah, say you are, All right, you are not money Texas A and M in that like, hey, we need stars on twenty four seven. So mm-hmm. we need to throw we need to throw a bag at, at everybody. In, in some ways, like if you play it like that, you're actually the smart one, right? Like mm-hmm. you, you, you see if somebody's interested rather than throwing out the money. Because the thing is, when you throw out the two million dollar or the you know the the six figures at a at a an offensive tackle, well, that word's going to get around to the running back, and that r- word's going to get around to the wide receiver who who you're you're coming at next, and that becomes your opening pitch, right? Is like, Hey, here's, you know, $600,000 to come play for us, or, or here's, you know, whatever X dollars to come play for us. And that's how you get in the door as opposed to being Ohio state and being like, yo, like, listen, if you want to play on Sunday, you come here, you know? Um, so that, that'll be, that'll be interesting to monitor to see um, if they get their, their money up. And um, I, the, the thing that I would like to see NIL improve and, not that there's been an example yet necessarily, but like getting guys to stay. And, and it's rare in Ohio State to have a guy, um, you know, it, it's getting a guy like who's entering, you know, entering draft eligibility to take one more year as opposed to jumping to become like a third or fourth round pick. Like that's the kind of stuff that's working at other schools um and and, you know that that's that's i think the true nature of the nil game that that i think they were trying to get to but obviously when it gets involved in recruiting it gets crazy um you know so i I would love to see like like you said like i think for 2024 this shit needs to change they need to they need to go out and get more aggressive they need to get their money up and they need to um you know start using it wisely you know um then and that'll be the key one, the one thing to supplant that is like, it, it honestly isn't all about money. Cause even Dion, like in listening to his introductory press conference, he verbatim was like, you know, I'm not too crazy about the NILs. I want these kids worried about the NFL and we're going to make sure that we can <laughs> That's do a great soundbite. Like we can, <laughs> we're going to make sure Dion's full of them. <laughs> yeah. And like, and that's, that's what I'm getting at is if it, it's not all like he said there, we're going to do everything we can to make sure these kids are comfortable. But at the end of the day, like, and I know this, see you, no matter how much swag Dion brings to the program, there's a certain amount of money that CU is going to be that those boosters, everybody around the program, the Boulder area, like they're not going to be able to, compete with the heavyweights but what they have is somebody with some juice who's going to energize that and maybe this is just a separate tangent and something else we could talk about but like that's another thing the program lacks right now is some juice like if ryan day or brian Brian hartline especially if brian hartline came out and said hey we're going to take care of kids and i'm certainly not complaining about brian hartline so i don't want anybody no he would just be the one to do it yeah he's the one to do it because the track record and he's the one that has that kind of swag of like, hey, you know, we're going to make sure kids are taken care of. But like, look at what we're putting in the NFL right now. Like if you want to get a bag and you also want to go get a bigger bag in the NFL, come to Ohio State. They need that yeah. instead of 
getting up in front of the cameras and being like, well, you know, we've, we've developed here and we put a lot of guys in the NFL, like have some juice, man. You can, it, it isn't just all about tossing money around. Like you can also supplant that and come up with other creative ideas to get these kids excited and to have some real energy around the program. And that's another thing, another thing that kind of seems like it's a little bit lacking right now. Yeah. I have I one. Think, Go ahead. I, I was going to say, I think Ohio state needs to be creative with their next hire. I think, um, you know, not to give Michigan too much credit for anything, but I read the article that they worked on for Biff Pogi, um, and uh, you know before he propaganda. Left, oh, it was propaganda, but like <laughs> Ohio State needs a CEO type to get in there and figure out what does everybody do well, who's here helping us, who here is not helping us. Te- like, there's something that Brian Hartline does beyond just being. Uh, a, a swaggy white boy goaded with the sauce or whatever um, <laughs> that like is, is, is leveling with these kids. Yeah. Um, and, and they need to be able to recreate that at other positions. Right. Like uh, it seems like Tony Alford's got like, you know, some, some, some skin in that game. Like there's, there's a reason why we're getting to the finals, you know, final three with a lot of these kids and it's how do we get over that hump and like, figure out what the need is and really look at ourselves in the mirror. And I think that is what we're lacking sort of across the board uh, is that looking yourself in the mirror and looking inward and figuring out what can we do? What are our rivals doing that we are not at the moment? And that's what every good business in the United States and in the world does. Uh, but for some reason, Ohio State football, it doesn't seem like it's done in like six years. Yeah. I, I have one, I have one last sort of, rant on this subject before uh, before we take a quick break and then uh, get back to our next point um having jay Shonstein running uh the foundation account like begging for randoms on twitter yeah. for like 10 bucks is like totally embarrassing no. like yeah. like first of all first of all like you know just personally like i'm a college kid i work i you know i have a day you know i have a job for 12 dollars an hour now i'm not saying you know i'm thankful enough i'm blessed to come from like great family have a solid foundation but i don't have disposable income to be like dropping $200 million NIL deals for five-star defensive ends. Like, and neither does Buckeyes37842 uh, on Twitter. Like Buckeyes1488. He doesn't either, you know? Um, and, and so like, we got to cut that one out. That, that one's got to go. I'm a grown ass adult. I got fucking bills to pay. Man. Right. Yeah. Like, I'm, like, yeah, I'm sorry, like, I'm sorry again, that like, I can't contribute. And they're like, Oh, well, then just shut up and cut the YouTube highlights, buddy. No, like, it's like you you're the fail son. You are the fail <laughs> yeah. son with like a bunch of like money that just sits in like your garage and you don't have a job and you're just like, well, I guess, you, you know, that's your, that is your goal in life. You will give your life direction by giving 18 year olds. In general, like his job is to go out and find the real people with the real money and develop the pipeline to get their donations. Right. Into Why the program, are you asking randoms on Twitter? Well, you picked the most swagless man in the fucking <laughs> world to be doing this job, right? Like you're better off. Like you should dead ass go out and fucking hire Troy Smith to do this job or somebody of that vein, some former player who like knows how this shit works, who, Maurice Claret would maybe, be the perfect one. Maybe they received. Uh, maybe they received. Terrell Pryor in the past. Terrell Pryor or, or yes, Claret bring would Terrell be... Pryor back. Yeah. Terrell, Terrell knows where. Terrell knows uh, a thing where... or two about this business. I'd say. I don't know. <laughs> I think if we're, if we're soliciting is. like fan donations, like I feel like it would have to be like, it would have to be uh, John Simon or 
Zach mm. Bourne for for obvious reasons. Like if they <laughs> yeah. want to go, if they want to go the fan route. Like you literally Tough have Portland. Zach Bourne yeah. and John Lyman, like yeah. right there. Like just do that if you really want to go that route. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I like. I think yeah. Te- like soliciting money from randos on Twitter is just the wrong way to go about right. this. That is a broke program. That is a broke like. Again, like LeBron is right there. I tweeted like, like, yeah, like get in a meeting with LeBron and be like, hey, this is you have you're literally a billionaire now. We will have someone point at which recruit needs money. I wonder if uh, if a certain uh, basketball recruit uh, were to make a decision, if Mm. things might might change that way. Um, And 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 I'll leave it at that. Like, I think I think there are paths to opening like. But again, like there are guys who graduated from Ohio State University that have so much money that you couldn't find they them. They have nothing to do know. with it and are freaks about the football team. Like, yeah. You are not, it's not, it's not on Twitter. You, go do your yeah, job. You're not That's going all to I got to say. Those guys. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, um, yeah. Let's take a quick break uh, unless someone else has one final thought. All right. No, we will be right good. back then for our next topic. All right, we are back with my third uh, diagnosis, uh, so to speak. This one should be uh, this one should be quicker because it's not really a. It's part. It's kind of part of the last topic, and that is just recruiting failures on defense dating back to around 2018 or 2019. Um, I'll be brief on this one. There's a lot of players, and there's too many to get into to really list all of them. Clark Phillips might be the most prominent. Um, guys like Jordan Battle. Uh, Xavier Nwampa, he probably wouldn't help much this year, but still, um, guys like that who Ohio State was seemingly uh, who had committed or seemed to be favored for at some point that in the last three or four cycles just whiffed on. And I think, you know, for as much as we want to talk about scheme and coaches and yada, 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 and obviously that stuff is vital, but, uh, you know, sometimes there's not a the defense doesn't have a Marshawn Lattimore or, uh, you know, Jeff Okuda or as good as JT is a chase young. Um, although I don't think there's a chase young in like many recruiting cycles. So I'll give them a pass on that one. Uh, do y'all have thoughts on this? Yeah. I, I, I think it's starting to show it's, it's head. And I think the smart solution here, um, is that there is a transfer portal that is fucking chock full of defensive backs at the moment. So if you, you know, again, you have two to three years of classes where you underperformed from a defensive back perspective, go fill your fucking roster with them because guess what? There ain't a whole lot of them that are good enough to, to prevent you from going out and finding people. And there's also injuries that happen that you, like leave you, almost, you know, without, with guys without game reps that are taking, you know, taking their first snaps in conference play and stuff like that. And like, it's just go like, first of all, clean up the recruiting, figure out what we're missing on and go fix it and go get, you know, get that shit figured out. But second of all, go hit the portal, man. There's so many guys, that guy from UVA is a dog and go find, find guys like him. And, you know, Tanner McAllister played great this year in, in stretches and like, he got again, cooked a couple of times, but overall a success. Yeah. You can, you can go find, find guys like that. We need to go find more deep back talent. Now. Brother, I hate to say this. You completely 
uh, no one heard anything you said. It sounds like uh, this, the deep state got to you. Yeah, I just cut out for a second. You guys got me. All right. Yeah, we got you. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm I'm totally with you, John. And like, I don't think anybody's asking for Marshawn Lattimore or Chase. Young. Well, it'd be it's nice. Like a, it'd be nice it'd be to nice. have Marshawn Lattimore. It'd be, it'd be, it'd be <laughs> phenomenal. But like, like you mentioned, some of the guys in Give the portal. Give me a Gary on Cotton, like, you know. Was it uh, – I, I totally don't want to uh, put this on him, but I know he said it at some point last year. I think it was the week after the Michigan game where Austin Ward was like – and this isn't his fault, obviously, because he's talking with to people within Ohio State when, like, the infamous tweet of, like, yeah, Ohio State really likes – they like what they have right now. They've evaluated and they, mm-hmm. they trust their evaluations. I think that was the actual tweet. And uh, I, I – I think in the long run, like we, we saw kind of how that worked out defensively. And like, yeah. I honestly think that they're lucky the way that we're even really talking about the defense this year, because like they were much better than last year, but was the defense dominant? Is it really at Ohio state standard? Not really. Like we're all talking think, about the Michigan game, yeah. but look back at the Maryland game. Penn state like, game. In, in retrospect, the Maryland game and the Penn state game, looking a little funny and like things start to make a little more sense. And I really don't think the defense played awful for the most part against Michigan, but in key moments still gave up big plays. And especially when it comes to the defensive backs, like we saw how you trusted your evaluations last year. That was fine. And we saw how it worked in the biggest moments. And luckily for them, they still have a path to like everything somehow magically changes and these guys play well, but go get some guys. I think that that's, that's the strategy this year. I was just going to say, like, I, I think I'm willing to chalk up a lot of the, the inefficiencies on defense to like, they're learning a new scheme and also the level of talent that's in that room defensively outside of like freshmen is not at the standard yeah, of Ohio state. Right. Like, well, that, I mean, that's my point. That's the problem. Denzel Burke yeah. is fine. Right. But like, until like this is where like CJ Hicks, that's where Sonny Styles, like those are the guys that are at the standard level, right? Kenyatta Jackson's a dog. Like the, the D line class they brought in, like that recruiting class last year, outside of like losing a couple corners, was a good defensive class. That is the first good defensive class they've had in a number of years outside of defensive linemen, right? Like you can say like the Jack Sawyer, JT, Tweedle outclass was a good defensive class because of those guys. And like, they balance out the rest of it. But like when you don't have, and I love steel chambers, but you've got a linebacker who's been played, who's like been recruited as a linebacker, who plays linebackers whole life. When you've got cornerbacks that have played cornerback their whole life, when you've got guys that are designed to who are like essentially mercenaries. They have been brought to Ohio state to, uh, to, to fill their position and win games. Like that's when I will start to become more upset with the Jim Knowles of the world. And right now I'm more upset with like the recruiting classes and the recruiting recruitment on defense. Yeah. And I do think I will say to your point, there's a proof of concept there that you can now sell to uh two defensive recruits you can say hey look at this right we did this with like the worst like on paper 
one of the worst defenses Ohio State's had in the last 20 years. Yeah. Think about what we can do with actual, like, Ohio State-level talent. And that becomes easier than, like, oh, shit, like, Kerry Coons is going to run base, you know. <laughs> We're gonna yeah. run. Guys, we w- can't wait to see you run cover three with us, you know. <laughs> like, it's just, uh, you know, it, it, and it has – they. I do think they do uh, end up needing to go back and finding that identity from a defensive back perspective, right? Like, you know there are some some schools that churn out just good man coverage guys, and that's always going to be – uh, the flavor of the month in terms of like Alabama is always going to churn out corners because that's Saban specialty, but like something like that, where it's like, Hey, you got, yeah. you come here, you're going to get interceptions. You're going to get chances at the ball. You're going to get chances to make plays and you're going to get chances to play on Sunday. And that's what I think you need to start selling again. Um, and it, it, it's difficult though. It's difficult to reinvent sort of that defensive program without some of the defensive guys that they've had with the relationships, um, you know, now moving forward. Yeah, no. Uh, anything else on that before we get to uh, ne- the next topic, next uh, next issue? No, let's, let's jump into it, because I think these next two are going to be spicy. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, this one, I, this one, I, I don't, I think it's lower on the list of issues than, than the first three. I don't think it's as important, but it is... It is an issue, and honestly, I wrote this. I I wrote this down in my notes app before the JSN news. Um, but I think the culture of the program is a little bit, just a little bit too heavily heavily slanted towards NFL at all costs. And and I don't I don't even mean by that by like guys quitting and guys opting out. Although uh, you could say you know say you know who knows what happened with JSN. We'll get into that. It's more about like there's not enough reaction to per, poor performance of stars. Like when stars don't play well, they don't really get benched. And if a guy isn't playing well and his backup who maybe doesn't have the NFL track yet because he's younger and you, you don't feel the pressure to showcase him. Um, maybe, so maybe you feel like you have to keep the older guy in so he can make it to the league Uh I feel like that I, again, if the first three issues had been solved, I don't think this is really an issue, but I I do think it, it does impact their program a little bit. Am I totally off base with this one? No, I, I, I think a prime example of that. And I love CJ Stroud. I love him to death. Like, I think he's a great, I think he's going to have a great NFL career. I've thought since day one, he has reverse engineered and, and Bryce young to a similar extent. They have both reverse engineered themselves into being, passing quarterbacks right they are like we've seen cj run he has the ability to do it he just refuses to do it and i think a lot of that is because they don't want to get labeled as a running quarterback um as they prepare for the draft and you know it's you're not asking cj you're not asking enough of cj i think um when you're doing that right like hey cj it's going to be great to see in the nfl but we've got games to win here and the run game as it stands is severely limited when we're not, we're not having you use that part of your ability. And we saw him do it earlier in the year where he would extend plays and make throws out of the pocket. I thought he did a great job in the Notre Dame game. Um, But as times went on, like he slowly, but surely got away away from it. Um, And obviously he had that great game against Northwestern, but like, why can't there be more of that? Right. And I think that's where you're talking about. It's like, 
you know, I think there were guys in the offensive line last year that should have been replaced by by backups, because, but that, that didn't have the star power or whatever, or, or had, you know, didn't have the NFL draft on the line. But like, I, I think that's, that's a valid point, right? Like, how are you building a program of accountability when you are not asking the most out of the guys that are, have the most, like, you know, have the most talent, you know, if you're, if you're in the conversation for an NFL draft position, you are by definition, one of the most talented, if not the most talented member of your team. Right. And if you are not asking those guys and holding those guys to the same level of accountability that you're holding, let's say a, uh, you know, (laughs) some of the running backs that we've seen over the years, right? Like, you know, you get a bad carry from a guy and then they're, they're kind of benched for, for the rest of the time or, um, you know, uh, you, you get a, a wide receiver who, who drops a pass here and there, and then all of a sudden, well, they, they, we can't go back to them, you know, um, like, I, I, I just think that's a, that's a cultural thing. That's, a, that's the, that's the accountability of, of, I think Ryan day, uh, uh, like I said on the last episode, I think everything feels very transactional right now. Everything is a, you come to Ohio state, you go to the NFL and look, it look is not a, a, like that to you, an extent yeah. is great. Like, I think that is yeah. needed to some extent. I think it has just tipped a little too far in the other direction. You should not be playing through injury uh, to, you know, uh, win the Rose Bowl or, or you know, you know, you should not be putting your body at putting yourself at financial risk or putting your body in health risk for the game of football. But I think you veer towards being almost like the tw- polar opposite of that which is like the LSU the way LSU runs their program and they have guys every year year in and year out under Ed Orgeron that would just ah, you know what I got a paper cut I'm gonna sit down and, and not come back um and I'm not you give him a built-in excuse yeah exactly. you give him you give guys a built well mm-hmm. he did it so I I can do that like right. I I can do well, if he he's did prepping it. for the draft like oh I can miss my assignment on this play because it wears on know, the culture yeah as long as I get my three second clip by one of the fucking draft freaks on Twitter uh, of, of me, me getting a pancake block or something silly, like it's all, it's all worth it. You know? Um, yeah. I, I think you're, you're spot on there. We need to find a balance of like, Hey, like this is still about, you know, winning games at some point. And a lot of that is kind of the result of years of, or the past two years of just being so damn talented you know, CJ Stroud never had to really play behind outside of that, that after outside of that Utah game, right? Like they never really had to ask him to do too much beyond that. Um, and, and you get kind of complacent in that way. It's easy to become complacent when you can just ask, fuck it, you know, we'll score a touchdown and, and it'll be all good. You know, um, there is no micro focus on what's going on, you know, short down situations and things like that compete situations that, uh, we might have left, um, you know, let kind of go over the past couple of years. They're a soulless football team, mm-hmm. and they've been a soulless football team for two years. And I won't even give them the benefit of the doubt in 2021 because I think most people say like, oh, well, you know, C.J. Stroud came in and you have a young quarterback. Well, they had two generational receivers as leaders on that team. So I I don't think that buck flies there, but like when I watch this team, or I think most people watch this team, like 
I enjoy every game. So I don't want to say, do you, do you enjoy it? Do you hate watching every game? Because if we did, like, I wouldn't watch. There's if I plenty really more hated obvious it, I would, yeah, I wouldn't yeah. watch if yeah. I really hated it. I would, I hate it. parts of it, but, but I do love it in the end, you know? Yeah. It, but no. there's nothing for me that when watching this team the past two years that puts it over the top, I don't want to give these guys the benefit of the doubt when things go wrong because they haven't earned it. They haven't mm-hmm. deserved the benefit of the doubt. Like they could have lost to Michigan two weeks ago, whenever that was at this point. And like we would, there was no scenario where that could have happened and we wouldn't be mad. Mm-hmm. We would have been super mad regardless. But if they would have lost that game by seven points instead of them getting into the fourth quarter, well, because the they last, gave up, they, they gave, yeah, they just gave yeah. up. And it's like, it's a Her- okay. if, if you had a Herculean effort, you know, if you were down 30 points or something and, and CJ, gets the boys to rally around they cut it to seven you'd have something to hang your hat on but the quitting man it's just it's a bad bad habit you know there's and no it's heart. happened it's happened multiple times there's no heart and it goes back to kind of what what you guys have said about where the culture and i, I tweeted this out last week where it feels just very much like the identity of the program is just like oh we we send guys to the nfl and there were some people We've, who were like we're kind of like stupid. georgia for Georgia was for like a little bit where it's like, eh, fuck it. You know, we've got great recruiting classes. We've, you know, we put guys in the NFL. We put in no Sean Moreno. We put in Matt Stafford. We put mm-hmm. in Todd Gurley. We put in AJ green. It's like, well, what did you win? Yeah. It very right. much. Yeah. And I've heard multiple people say this is like, it feels like Mark Richt at Georgia. And that's, I think a very apt comparison. Mm-hmm. And like, there's nothing for this team that really pushes it over the top. And so when people complain that like, wow, people are way too hard on CJ Stroud. Cause I don't think any of the games that they've lost in the last two years are really his fault. And I don't think he's no. played. I don't think he's played bad in any of those games, Yeah, but when I don't think he was game, like spectacular, but I don't think he was bad. Yeah. He, yeah, he yeah. wasn't awful, but when you lose that game against Michigan and you're a second year quarterback and you lost the game last year. And like, when you go back and look at, and listen to what CJ Stroud said in the post game, 90% of it was like, you could tell how bad that hurt him and like mm-hmm. how much he wanted to win. And I don't think anybody rational uh, would question that, but there's that 10% and there's that one quote that's like, well, this doesn't define us. And it's like, okay, yeah. well, what have you learned in the last right. two years? And so when people get upset of like, you know, everybody wants to hate CJ Stroud, they can't wait to see him leave. Like, that's not true. There's mm-hmm. idiots that think that, but like the criticism on him is like, dude, just a quarterback at Ohio state. Like, you know what you signed up for. And after you lose to Michigan, you say this doesn't define us. Like, yeah, bro, people are going to say, like, you're an outsider. You don't get it. Like, you're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. That's what what it comes down to, right, is is you're building a program out of guys who, you know, and this is national football, like recruiting and But you can do, like, 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 Justin Fields is from, like, Marietta, Georgia. Like, I I don't think – and he he was a guy who got, like – I mean, maybe part of this discussion is – we're missing is like how like great of a player talent and leader Justin Fields was. And I don't know if, even though we were all wish he could have played quarterback at Ohio state forever. I don't know if we all grasped what losing him meant in the moment. Uh, but that's, that's another topic. Well, well everybody's yeah, again, not like, built like him, right? But like yeah, seeing exactly. him against Alabama and it's like, they had, they really, with all the COVID, uh, stuff they had going Sermon on broke how his injured collarbone they were. on the yeah like the, he didn't he did not have to play in that game and nobody would have blamed him if he was like dude I have I have broken ribs like right. I can't play these guys are gonna kill me but he got out there 
And I, well. I don't blame I don't blame any guy. And this isn't about Jackson Smith and Jigba. I want to yeah. make that clear. But like for the next 40 or 50 years, nobody's ever going to look at Justin Fields and be like, oh, you're the guy that lost the national championship game. A part of his legacy is like, hey, man, like we really appreciated that. That was dope. And mm-hmm. maybe I think to some people that's like, oh, well, what can you get with that? Like at the end of the day, man, he can no matter what happens in his NFL career, he can always come back to Columbus and make money. I mean, he, yeah, he'll a walk on water in Columbus. Of yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, like that is he well, can go get a bag off of that. And that's a part of it. And yeah. it's not just limited to the players. You have that video of Ryan Day after the Michigan game throwing up that like this sounds so stupid, but like the lazy OHIO after they yeah. after they lose when they're singing Carmen, Ohio. And it's like, yeah, it's like you oh, may it's think a- that that's a small thing, but when shit goes wrong. That's the stuff that this fan base complains about. And you've been oh, here yeah. for six years. You know what the microscope is, man. Like, mm-hmm. why are you giving anybody any runway to get on your ass about anything extra? It's not that people don't think you don't care. But when you do shit like that, like, you don't deserve the benefit of the doubt because mm-hmm. this fan base is going to eat you alive. And everybody who takes a job at Ohio State, every player who commits, like, if they're not telling them, hey, you're in the pressure cooker and when things go bad, it's going to get ugly, but when things go well, it's, you're going to be you're a legend God. forever. Yeah. yeah you're yeah. a God. Like that's, that's the implicit sign. That's the deal. Whether you're yeah. a coach the, next, or... the next quarterback who beats Michigan is going to be a fucking legend, right? Like that is, even if are, he has like are, 3.2 yards per attempt in the game, we right? are approaching like... <laughs> Craig Krenzel levels yeah. right now. Like Craig Krenzel is still a legend in Ohio because he, because of what he did, you know, that, that early Tressel era, that winning the national championship, he is still, a, still a legend in Ohio. Troy Smith will forever be a legend in Ohio because he's for, like, and that's different because he's from there, obviously. But like, will CJ, like CJ Stroud could be, be like one of those, like, Tom Brady at Michigan types, like where if he now, goes, if he goes out and wins, and wins the national championship, all of this changes, but well, we're not yeah, anticipating and, that. Or if he right goes now. out and he wins fucking, you know, 12 Super Bowls or something like that. Like, yeah, he probably retroactively becomes, oh, yeah, like, uh, we you love bet your yeah, fucking yeah. ass. I'm going to be tweeting hashtag developed here on a third three-yard slant play next year. Like, that's just how, how it's rolled. But, like, I, I, I think, yeah, I, I think, like, it, and it'll probably be some time before we see a t- quarterback that's as talented as C.J. Stroud playing the position. Maybe it's Dylan Rayola, but I have no idea. Like, it's tough to pre- project, like, what's ultimately, like, a junior in high school or, like, going into a senior year in high school, like, what he's going to become. But it's, like, it, it, it just, man, like, like you said, like, you can tell it bothers him but he had to say that one damn quote and that one damn quote's going to stick with him forever. And uh, you know, it, it, it's a, it's a shame because I think he's a nice guy. And like, I think, but like, you know, you, you look back and he's now a two time Heisman finalist, right? A two time Heisman finalist. Has there ever been a two time Heisman finalist that you like look at? Like, meh, you know, Right, it's and, like, that, and that isn't because they lost to Michigan twice. It's because mm-hmm. of everything else around it and yeah. how they handled it. That's why like people are so sour and like he, I felt his so bad. one moment, right? His one moment that I will give him forever. Right, was the begging one moment Ryan that Day we'll, to go for it. 
Well, that and the Rose Bowl, right? The Rose Bowl that I set up for them to quit in, like the second half, right? Like I texted as I was like, I'm fucking turning this thing off, right? Like I, I'm not going to pay attention to the second half. I don't care. Whatever. We lost to Michigan. It's over. And then he comes out and he balls out and I'm like, that's what I thought was going to be like, this is new CJ Stroud, right? This mm-hmm. is the new guy. And like, I thought he fought hard against Notre Dame. Again, it's just that damn Michigan game will and always. The and and the luckily quote. enough for him and everybody else is after that travesty, they have a chance to rewrite. They somehow have a second story. life. Yeah. They have, yeah. And, and whether whether they win or lose to Georgia, I think like maybe we talked about this beforehand. I think both of these things live like they could go on to win the national championship and everything we said about them this regular season. And after the Michigan game can still be true, right? Because they back their way into the playoff. They had yeah. to have help. Yeah. They should get into the really playoff. be they don't, well, It doesn't retroactively uh, take that away. Remember. Time Ohio State backed their way. They didn't back uh, it. Oh, they backed it. Are you talking about 2016? Yeah, I was talking about 2014. At least they won the mission. Oh, 2014, they did back in. Well, and and I'm I've I've seen a couple like uh like hey this team like 2014 bro that team won its last 11 games and then beat Wisconsin 59 to nothing in the Big Ten championship like let's not yeah these are two if if they win it it's a totally different thing yeah yeah and and here's the thing like. If they if they were to go on and win the national championship, they deserve all the credit in the world. And, that and they can, can talk put, shit about all of us who were doubting, yeah, but it doesn't and that, change. But that also the, yeah. can be put in a separate category of like, but you deserved everything after the Michigan game. Mm-hmm. Both those things can be true at the same time. And it's not like any of us are like, because I don't think any of us really think that they're going to beat Georgia. But if they beat Georgia... None of us are going to be like fucking Tony Soprano in therapy, being right. like, "I fucking hate this shit." Yeah. Like oh, we were wrong. Like I'll none be, of us wants I'll be to see them lose. Joy. I yeah. would love yeah. to see if Ryan Day puts on a two-game clinic and a masterpiece, and he makes everybody look like an idiot. That's what we all want to see. That's yeah, what we're all we want to be for. wrong. I don't. I don't think people get that. Like we would. I. I want nothing more than to be wrong about everything. Yeah. Um. All right. Before we uh, get into like two-hour territory, my last topic. Um. Pretty simple. Um, I'm keep my fingers crossed. It'll be changed, but I'm also not holding my breath on it is Mick and the training staff. Uh, I just don't think this team is, is, I I think Mick, uh, I think he deserves a lot of credit, uh, for the transition from the trestle to the urban era being so smooth and also the national championship in 2014. But at the same time, it's clear his methods are outdated. I mean, pulling the tires, like he doesn't, he's still has players training to be like Roman gladiators and not like there are, there is science that applies specifically to football players that is just clearly not being applied. And on top of this with the JSN thing, I'll say, I have no idea what happened with the JSN thing. I think there's a chance he's hitting out, sitting out healthy, which if is true, it sucks, but I don't know that I can't say that. Um, Whatever the case, we'll never know exactly what went down with all this. But whatever the case is, there will be of like four months between the Peach Bowl and his injury, and it does not take four months for a, a, a injury that does not need surgery to heal. So I think no matter what went down, I think it is it's been a disaster class by the Ohio State training staff and conditioning staff. Like whatever went down reflects poorly on them, in my opinion. 
Ryan Day too, because he's, Day he's too, a part yeah. of that with how they handled and Ramsey Nasrallah of 11 Warriors wrote a great column about like Ryan Day playing Koi all season. And the only thing I'll say about JSN is this, is there's four players involved in the situation and Ohio State managed to make every single group of them look bad. The mm-hmm. fans look bad because we have no idea. So we're blaming everybody. And like people are coming at JSN, Jackson Smith and Jigba. He doesn't look great because we don't know. And it's not our right for and, him to tell us, but, but the school should also, have said, yeah. And he was also yeah. on Instagram, like popping off at Dave Portnoy. Right. Like, bro, just if you're going to, if you're not even going to play, like, what yeah, you, yeah, just so he's not doing himself any favors, which like going back to what we just talked about, like, quotes and just one thing you're not doing yourself any favors mm-hmm. ryan day he doesn't look good for every single week being like you know oh, i don't know man week, but yeah. next week like yeah. he might be ready to go yeah. so he doesn't look good and retroactively that doesn't make any other injury situation they have look good because you just don't know and then lastly the training staff they look like idiots because it's like well it's a regular hamstring injury it and doesn't need surgery this guy's yeah. been out Travion Henderson got hurt. Mayan Williams got hurt. Evan Pryor got hurt. Dallin Hayden, did he get hurt or did he sit out? Like, we don't know these things. And so it just kind of piles up. And this is really the only time I can think of in Ohio State history, at least, where a situation like this, they've managed to make literally everybody in the program, outside of the program, look Everyone like idiots. Everyone looks like a schmuck. And then Everyone if, looks if like a to, If you yeah. want to add in a, another group for five, they, they're making scouts look stupid because for the next three months, you're going to have scouts who say, no, he couldn't go. Uh, he was way too hurt. And then you're going to have scouts like the one who told Todd McShay, like, mm-hmm. no, he's good to go. He could play. So, so literally everybody I, comes out looking bad here and it all comes back today in the training staff. Yeah. I, I think, you know, there's obviously the day in the trading staff element, but I think there's another element that has to be addressed and it's the fucking draft rates, man. Like guys like Todd McShay who have made a career out of taking fucking pot shots at 20 year old kids. Right. Like it's a strange business. Yeah. Like, yeah. Him and Mel Kuyper um, who like check their hard drives. Right. Like they've been talking <laughs> about teenagers for fucking decades now. Um like, I, I, again, like, I, I just, I don't know who benefits from a quote like that. Like, again, like, oh, 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 those, those, and again, like, and an, I was an skeptical. NFL scout, an NFL scout, I could put fucking hashtag NFL scout and get like an email signature from the fucking <laughs> Cleveland Browns and say, I'm a, I'm a, you know, I, I, you know, I know people who've done that for the MLB where it's like, oh, you, you, you watch three games and you, you write up a, a little report and they tell you you're a scout, right? Like, who knows who those scouts are? And my thoughts, yeah. my thoughts on this are sort of independent of that quote, because I was skeptical of the severity of the, like, I not skeptical was too strong. I didn't completely buy that he was too hurt to go before that Todd McShay quote dropped. But like, again, it goes back to what Colton says. Everyone looks like a schmuck. Like it, 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 it and I honestly, I don't believe in like the huge competitive advantage of like not telling anything, anyone like the injuries. Yes. I I think the opposite is true. Honestly, for the Ryan day situation, right. Ryan day should have been telling him them. He was out for the fucking season. Right. And Mm -hmm. then, Oh, if he's good to go, you know, it's, it's like fucking Kyrie in the 20, the 2018 Eastern conference finals where there was like, Oh, maybe, maybe he's going to be ready, you know? And like, you know, just, just even having him dressed on that sideline, like Blake Corum, like if he was healthy enough, like that adds an element to like, Holy shit, we got to pay attention to this. Um, but I, you know, I, I won't be as harsh on JSN just because the way that he looked 
like when they they tried to bring him back and make him healthy, he just did not look himself. And like I am less concerned with JSN's you know health for Ohio State, and I'm more concerned with like is he going to be okay for the draft process for the NFL? And like 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 we've said on here before, like there's nothing about JSN that like leaps off on paper, right? Like it's not like he's you know he's, he's he'll probably have a solid forty time no matter what, but like. That dude was a football player, and it's hard to quantify the football player aspect until he's actually on the field. And if like yeah. if there's just a little bit of that hamstring, or like if there was another injury at play that like maybe screws with him a little bit, like like I, you, you hate to say it, but you know we 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 should enjoy the tape of that Rose Bowl because we may never see that ever again. You know. Um, and there, there, that's the sad part about it. And, and it, yeah, again, like it, it sucks that he has to now deal with, with this. But again, like if, if the program was doing anybody any favors, they would have come out more, more, uh, more aggressively with information about, about his health. And, and maybe that, you know, maybe there's an element to this whole thing where it's like, who the fuck cares? Like what dweebs on the internet, like myself say, you know, like, uh, you know, uh, oh, like JSN has to deal with it. Like, there's there's a few people that, that that can really benefit from this, and he's one of them. And like, as long as he shows up at the combine and and does well, like I think he'll be fine. You know, like this the shit won't matter. But it's just it's a tough look for all that's going on within the program for him. And and it, and it makes you question what Ryan Day is going to do about injuries moving forward, right? Like Ryan Day played a quarterback with like. 15 broken ribs in a national championship game. And, and I'm not saying that like, yeah, you know, like, you know, you, like you said, Justin Fields could have opted out of that game. We wouldn't have hold, held him. You know, the coach is, is equally as responsible for putting that man's health at risk as anybody, you know, and, uh, and it, it, it's just, that's on the health staff too, right? Like if, if the, the reports come out and some of this is obviously like, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking, or it's like, you know, creating this story of a legend and whatnot, but like, shit man like like you know for as dangerous of a game it is it is like a man playing with like six broken ribs is probably not a good story to be telling people you know um and it doesn't make you trust the 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 staff at all uh if we're running the uh the like 1958 uh well it was, you know just yeah. slap him on the head and get him back out there as uh as uh you know training staff and it was all avoidable like this is my last thing on that is after the Iowa game, Day came out and said, oh, no, we just had him on a pitch count when pitch count when literally like we all watched the game and visibly saw him limp right. off the field. Like we yeah. saw that he was very injured. Like, and then, and then he didn't like, come back in. Yeah, it's yeah, like that's not what that was. They tried to lie about yeah. it. That's and not a pitch count. Yeah, it, it goes back to what we said with about again to the quotes of like totally avoidable. You created this yourself and you didn't have to. And you're not a first year guy you know what the drill is and you made this mess for yourself. And if the buzzards are swarming around you, you need to figure out a way to get them off your ass. That isn't my job. It isn't your guys' job. It's their job. So yeah. figure it the fuck out or there needs to be other people in here that can figure it out. Yeah. Last thing before we go, uh, I know we sort of mostly talked about JSN and, and I, and training staff, and that's obviously tangentially related to Mick. I, uh, just quick, like I'm assuming you guys agree that Mick Mick's methods are outdated and he needs to go. Yeah, yeah every yeah every fucking we've coach talked about in that before, country, obviously. Yeah. yeah, 
is just out on uh, it is about about their their strength and conditioning staff right now and i've never heard ryan day mention it more than once so uh yeah go go, go get a guy who can do his job uh, uh, get a scientist i mean not not a here like obviously he needs he needs some needs some dog in him too but uh get, get a guy <laughs> who who knows some science um all right that was a great episode i think one of our more uh, serious and on track episodes to date uh, thank you for joining us as always, Colton. I'm sure you'll yes, be sir. back on soon uh, at Dubsco. Uh, YouTube is Colton Denning. Uh, anything else that needs plugged? TwoStripesCPD.com. Uh, yeah, and listen to the podcast. I'll have a, a separate Ohio State one coming up later this week. So check it out. All right. Uh, peace All right, out, thanks. everyone. Yep. Go peace Bucks. Out. Go Bucks. <laughs>